Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 93 of Solid Saturday. Our today's guest, Luke Levin, is a creative storyteller with significant experience in animation and immersive experience design. He now brings his skills and imagination to the augmented virtual and mixed reality formats, collectively known as extended reality or XR. His primary focus at XR Applied is the development of partnerships for toys and gaming, real estate and healthcare application of XR technologies. A product evangelist and creative problem solver with a strong passion for emerging technologies, Luke is always the first mover when unlocking new commercial markets. Wow, this looks great. So let's just Join me and welcome Luke on a solid Saturday and let's hear more about his career journey. How did he find his area of interest and managing period that? Hey, hi Luke, very happy to have you on the show and really appreciate all your time and consideration being on the show. Hi, lovely to meet you. It's an absolute pleasure. How do I pronounce your name? Vaishali. Vaishali? Yeah, Vaishali. You're good. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, Actually, I'm really looking forward to this episode because you work in the augmented and the virtual reality. So this is definitely one of the areas of, you know, uh, in demand as well nowadays. So we would definitely look forward to learn more from your career journey. So our first segment is more about passion or the interest. Here, I'm just going to ask you, like, you know, how did you find your interest in this specific field and what motivates you to be there where you are today? So... Um, from just full screening, I am someone that likes to follow intuition, mm -hmm. uh, intuition and flow. So feeling things. I would say if I can, if I can kind of wind back the clock a little bit and go to um, the first seed that was planted for me, um, I have always been. Uh, I would say my my first passion was animation. Oh. The love for the pure, the pure animation. So I actually studied, I firstly went to business school. <laughs> I had a quite a traditional, I come from a very conservative family and quite, uh, I come from a very traditional conservative background. And my first break with kind of the status quo, so to speak, was when I told my family after my first year of business school that I'd like to make cartoons. And actually I wanted to make traditional hand-drawn animation. It was the one thing that I really connected to. As a child, I used to spend a lot of time drawing comic books and that was my way of expressing myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't very good at expressing myself and, and finding my voice, but comic books really helped me connect to something uh, true for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, many years later, I went to a very, I went to boarding school and, uh, I, and then the kind of art and, and creativity and storytelling wasn't very well regarded in my particular circle mm -hmm. um, and people felt that it was more important that I went into more of a business career, a lawyer, law degree, you know, pursued law, business, politics, uh, mm -hmm. medicine, fine, you know, if it was really, that was kind of the, <laughs> the, the, the or work in the family business. So I, I, I went to business school. Um, I followed the, 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 the particular, Business, I went to business university and then within a year I just it just felt very off and with some inner reflection I had a sense that you know what I want to do I wanted to go back to my roots and make cartoons so I went to a traditional animation school that taught the old Disney way of uh, telling stories um, and I did that for four years 
And that led me into an in, a career as a multidisciplinarian. So mm-hmm. working in all uh, sectors of animation, 2D, 3D, stop motion, VFX, uh, working on music videos and commercials, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. working, uh, then uh, doing animation series. And, and then kind of also pivoting a bit further then that process of curiosity, which was, I guess, begun with kind of exploring what is it that I feel connected to, then led me mm-hmm. to exploring uh, documentary filmmaking. Wow. I'm telling you, so I went into documentary filmmaking and I actually worked, lived with, I was very interested in anything that challenged the, the traditional ways of doing things. So mm-hmm. at the time I, I was quite inspired by uh, protests, people who were living uh, and protesting for causes. I was young, I'd never seen that before. It was new to me, the idea that you could kind of really kind of... Uh, stand up for something you believed in. So I actually followed a group of anarchists, what was prescribed by media at the time were anarchists, but actually when you met them, they're very sweet people, <laughs> lovely. Some lost, some some more with a purpose, but these kind of group of uh, eccentric uh, mm-hmm. nomadic types have come together to protest against the liquefied natural gas pipeline that was being built through Wales, in the Welsh valleys in England, a beautiful place called Brecon Beacons. And uh, there was a mm-hmm. huge, uh, construction of a billion, a uh, multi-billion pound constru- pipe, uh, oil and gas construction through the, the woods. And this group of 20 protesters had come together to, to stop this because they felt very strongly that this was going to damage the uh, natural environment. And so I chose to follow them. And it was also my first exploration into what direct action was and how one could maybe stand up for something and, and learn a bit about uh-huh. Different well, different worlds, different cultures, different ways of living and doing things outside of the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that journey that that was a that was a two year. So that just just following, just flowing and feeling things, and not mm-hmm. really asking too many questions. People would be like, "Why are you doing this thing?" I was like, "I don't know. It feels <laughs> good, you know. Why are you living with a protest?" I lived up a tree for six months, you know, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I made this feature film that ended up being a lot shorter. Um, and then that kind of led me into immersive storytelling. So the next big thing was like filmmaking was, wow, okay, I can go out there and I can feel things, I can connect to things. And then mm-hmm. something, a big revelation for me was 2008 when a, uh, so, uh, an immersive theater group called Punch Drunk, who have actually recently partnered with Niantic, which is a, Niantic are important because they're probably leading the way in augmented reality today. And they've mm-hmm. now partnered up with the most progressive immersive theater company called Punch Drunk to create what will be the future of AR storytelling. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever experienced a punch drunk show and you've had that, immer- that's I mean, immersive is now a bit of a buzzword, but back in 2008, people weren't really talking about immersive storytelling. It was very, it was, uh, it was quite, it was new. No one really understood what it was. And the idea that have you, have you heard of immersive theater? Is that something you're familiar with? No, no, I'm not familiar with, but that would be great to see it. I can learn more about it. So, the big shift, let's, I'm trying to give you context. And if there's anything mm-hmm. you don't follow or get, please stop me. But a big shift was traditional animation to mm-hmm. physical filmmaking. So actually mm-hmm. you're, you actually are part of, you go into the world to the idea that then you can create physical spaces that you can live and explore and interact with in the physical world. So immersive mm-hmm. storytelling is really like theater where you're just observing something, you're, you're uh, a spectator in immersive mm-hmm. theater, you're part of the action. You're actually immersed in this world and you're walking through a world and everything's being created to embellish this universe that you've popped into and, and punch drunk mm-hmm. the beautiful things with Mask of the Red Death, which is an Edgar Allan Poe ad- adaptation. And it's quite 
dark and a bit morbid and you're you they basically uh, broke up the narrative of these uh stories and mm -hmm. you explored the books or the poems in in a kind of uh in a in a way that felt like you were within this universe that Edgar Allan Poe yeah. conjured up in his mind and you had to solve clues and explore different spaces and interact with the actors and everyone was wearing these masks and that was a revelation to me because I was like wow you can you're I'm lost in this world so suddenly animation became less appealing and this idea that I could create new worlds or new realities mm -hmm. took over and that led me to building and what was one of London's first immersive theatre nightclubs <laughs> restaurant nightclubs in 2010 uh and it was a really it was in central it was in bond street actually it was in mm -hmm. uh just by selfridges in bonds if you know london bond street and then you've got selfridges it's quite a famous apartment and next to selfridges there's this little door that you kind of enter into and you'd be like well this looks like a derelict building site mm -hmm. and as you kind of journey down the space it would open up and then there would be this indoor colonial greenhouse from the 1920s where everyone was in costume and it was very theatrical there were performances and bands and music and you're part of this new reality and it really felt yeah. like that and it was very very and it was amazing to see how people had a real appetite for this type of experience and it really mm -hmm. became very it was a kind of an overnight success we had like it's lovely to serve you know Woody Harrelson would cut turn up every day was like well suddenly celebrities are coming in from all over the place and you're you know you're famous for five minutes in this setting and it's quite mm -hmm. it's quite fun and, and, and playful um and actually, after that, I did. A, I went into real estate. I actually, worked. Ended up working my family business in real estate, and the but the seed was already planted. So when VR, and this is this is where it comes back to when VR really started to take shape in two thousand and fourteen, and this is the the big thing happened when uh, Facebook bought Oculus mm -hmm. from Amalaki, and then at the time VR was pretty much unknown. It was very very. It was very much a, a buzzword amongst the software. And hardware development communities but outside of that people really weren't sure what was <laughs> this, this thing although it'd been around since the 80s actually uh, we'd experienced it in arcades but what was what Palmalaki had done was a revolution for uh, I guess home VR entertainment <laughs> and Oculus uh, and Facebook saw the opportunity and they they, they, they jumped on board this this uh, this train and um, and when I got wind of this, I was also at a bit of another crossroad of my life where I was like, right, family business doesn't feel right. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, I, I, I was again in this space where I feel I was, I'm more, I still felt like an artist, but I'm also working in uh, real estate with the family. So how do I consolidate real estate and my desire to create immersive experiences? And mm -hmm. then when VR kind of presented itself, I saw an opportunity for virtual reality to mm -hmm. tell the, real estate story to showcase new developments, new projects, new buildings in a new way. I was like, well, we mm -hmm. can bring VR to, we can bring real estate to these virtual spaces and I can give people an experience of the development that they can, they, they could potentially uh, buy mm -hmm. before, try before they buy. You know, it was very simple. Mm -hmm. My mind was quite simple, but it, I just saw a trend before it really happened. Mm -hmm. And and it was actually so I, for me it felt like the low hanging fruit for entering the VR space, which is really just about um, showcasing real estate in a completely new way. And there's lots of and that's just that prop tech and mm -hmm. in the virtual reality space has become huge and it it's grown exponentially and and, and now it's a potentially it's going to be a billion dollar yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. So Matterport is leading the way and Matterport are valued at two billion and they're the guys in it and now there's companies to, and they were trying to 
now there's the metaverse that's coming and everyone wants to, uh, I guess, digitize all of the mm -hmm. physical spaces to, and, and that's kind of, but at the time when we began, it was, there was no, I mean, you spoke, I went to the first conferences I went to for developer, uh, for developers for real estate who are building new developments. They, they looked at this and like, what are you talking about VR? At first they had no idea what it was. So they didn't mm -hmm. see the value of it and they didn't know why they would need it in their own industry. And my job was to evangelize this new technology to, to the real estate industry to show, to showcase how this technology was going to radically transform mm -hmm. how they did business. And that was my entry point. Wow. <laughs> and that came from my experience. So it was very much about feeling my way there, really. I, did, I couldn't have told you that was the end point, but the process of following intuition leads you to uh, a convergence. Yeah. So this is a very valid point, actually, you know, uh, experience teaches you a lot. And uh, the way you mentioned, like, you know, it started with like working in our organization and getting away from that mundane thing and not enjoying it and knowing that you are no longer enjoying it and exploring the different areas and finally finding out and ending up with your area of interest. So that happens a uh, lot more actually, you know, you know, when people get into the organization and one of the motto that we have through this uh, podcast or the show is that, you know, building that uh, organizational culture as well, where everyone gets an opportunity to actually explore and they, they will not get stuck into like a particular career path and they will get that uh, opportunity actually as per their interests. So that is something we are also trying to accomplish because always it is not possible for everyone to follow their heart and, you know, um, do it in a way. I, I, ch I challenge, I challenge yeah. this statement though. I challenge the statement because why is it not possible for everyone to follow their heart? Yeah, sometimes it happens that people are a lot more stuck with, you know, uh, their family cultures or they have the responsibilities where they cannot afford to have that financial uh, risk uh, being the responsible person or the only person who is kind of a provider for their families and I think a lot more families like a lot more uh, countries have that kind of a family structure as well where you know uh, rather than individualism it is a lot more uh, getting that responsibility to carry forward and sometimes you are following that but I just feel that you know uh, we can cope up with that with the organizational culture or the structure as well to get that particular path and making that person uh, eligible to you know move around within the organization for personal growth so <laughs> i i would love to see that yeah. that happens more yeah actually. that change yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel that there is a possibility for that and we we could that in itself is a conversation that's separate yes. and we could discuss the the whether it is possible someone in a family and people coming from different backgrounds or communities and how could one become more aligned to truth or when they have these yeah. pressures of certain responsibilities that they're carrying they, or, or, or that, that might in, infringe on or also something maybe cultural, political, whatever's going on in the country that might infringe on the sense of freedom or ability to follow yeah. their own path. I it's think really finance is also one of the areas actually, you know, when you are working, uh, you are earning full time and plus you start doing the side hustling where you can convert that side, side hustle into, you know, you know, into the full time in future, uh, depending upon how you explore and how you grow. So that is also one of the ways actually uh, where you can find the way to follow your heart. So <laughs> thank you so much for sharing and it's truly inspiring actually because you have pointed out all the details how you uh, led your area of expertise like you know, end up finding it and then now you are leading it. 
So thank you so much for sharing. Moving towards our next segment, which is more or about questions from the audience. And under that, we have our first question, which is about virtual and augmented reality. So how large will the virtual and augmented reality consumer markets get? Um, so the first prediction was there were going to be a billion headsets sold by 2020, well, <laughs> which didn't happen. Uh, so, but that was a, I think that was very much a promotional piece. Now you've got different points of view. I think the last thing I heard was 2027, a billion people will be in VR and you've got the big players around the space. For me, it's the third big revolution, the third big internet revolution, let's say. First you had uh the internet then you had social media mm -hmm. or, which was the second big revolution and then the vr is going to be the third big revolution which is going to fundamentally and vr and ar track or mm -hmm. mix extended realities and and this is something that we do we have our companies uh, xr applied and we build new products as a little plug there <laughs> but uh, we build we build these we build systems so we're kind of trying to identify trends in different verticals and say mm -hmm. what is it that we can uh do to, to, to drive this mass adoption and to help people transition from traditional to, 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 to virtual. Mm. Um, and there's a, it's the, uh, if you're kind of following these trends, it's, it's the revolution is happening now. I mean, the metaverse is coming. If you see mm. the movies like um, <laughs> uh, Ready Player One or, uh, I mean, there's plenty to, to look at. It's minor, the ones that come to Minority Report where they are and plenty of things on just to give a sense of what the future might look like and how people might uh, consume these experiences. But consume for me is always a bit, I, I don't like consuming because one becomes a passive spectator, you know, and they're not taking, mm -hmm. I think the idea that we become more passive is, is, is a concern for me because I think we have to be more, these technologies should empower us to be more proactive, more interactive, more engaged with life mm -hmm. and uh, to really feel like, we are in the driving seat. They should empower us somehow, not uh, sedate us. If, if we're sedated by these technologies, then for, uh, they uh -huh. fail, in my humble opinion. Okay. So in, in answer to your question, it's the third, it's, it's, it's what, it's the internet all over, uh -huh. but in, in a virtual world, uh -huh. in a virtual <laughs> okay. setting, or reality. So yeah, so one more question we have along the same line. Is, <coughs> how, how can you digitize a physical element, action or experience or digitize all three? A physical, okay, so a physical space, well, um, uh, companies like Matterport are doing that. They're digitizing mm -hmm. uh, real estate using mm -hmm. LiDAR scanners, which are now embedded into actual mobile phones. So mm -hmm. the next generation of Apple phones will have uh, embedded sensors that allow you to digitize physical space, read the, uh, well, this is what AR is already doing. So this technology is already, uh, to go into how the technology works, you'll have to talk to a software developer because who's building these systems, I couldn't go into details, but it, the, the, the technology is embedded into future smartphones and smart devices and other, uh, so uh, there's, I mean, Google Earth is a perfect example of digitizing the whole world, right? It's just yeah. using satellites and sensors yeah. just to, to capture all 3D data. And it's, um, and then, and then physic, the physical body, well, you've got um, uh, mocap, motion capture. Mm -hmm. So a lot of games today, companies like Viacom are using mocap. Mm -hmm. um, it, 
ILM industrial life. A lot of most films today, when you look at VFX or uh, creature animation, like the Lord of the Rings, is capturing uh, physical movement, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Gollum or King Kong or Star Wars. Most of that is a, a lot of the characters you see are, are already captured through motion capture. Most gaming, most games today are using motion capture. Mm -hmm. um, so it's capturing movement in real time. And, and then it's like, what can you do with that? How can you manipulate it? Even theater, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, is it the Royal Opera? Royal Shakespeare Society, they're using motion capture, some of their, their, their okay. most recent uh, theatrical experiences to create um, otherworldly characters to bring them into the actual experience mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Uh, does the Broadway shows also use it, or Broadway shows too? And they're using holograms. Yeah. There was the, I mean, and you had the, what, the, then you had the kind of two packs of core Michael Jackson kind of holographic experience yeah. that came out. That was really quite cool. And again, it's a, it's, it's a mixture of different technologies. There isn't like a specific kind of off the shelf product yet. Mm -hmm. There is, there is, there is a customization aspect that has to come into play. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's. Is, is in in answer to some of your yeah. yeah thank you so much for sharing uh next segment that we have is more or about fun segment or the relaxation segment and here i'm going to give you three keywords which are more or associated with your profile and you have to just tell me whatever comes to your mind like it can be a replacement keyword it can be a abstract definition or after hearing all those three words you want to come up with something creative uh, linking those three words that would be great as well. So are you ready? Yes, I'm absolutely ready. Yeah. So the first keyword that we have is digitalization. Mm -hmm. what, comes was, uh, what comes to mind when I... Sorry, sorry, when you hear the word. Digitization. Um, what's digit, uh, first thing that comes to mind when you think of digitization is to digitize the physical, um, putting everything with like to bring the physical into the digital uh, digitization mm -hmm. the first yeah. comes to mind yeah. uh, so we digitization to digitize physical space uh, everything yes. that's what we're doing mm -hmm. and then second keyword that we have is animation the first thing that comes to mind is disney mm -hmm. but animation uh creativity freedom Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and yeah. any specific animation software tools you would like to mention here, like mm, for the audience? Animation tool, Maya, uh, <laughs> Unreal Engine. I like I, I, I my passion is traditional animation. So traditional pencil. Animation, yeah, that you mentioned actually. <laughs> I would yeah. I would say the pencil because it's the most direct <laughs> way of yeah, creating. That's more artistic as well, right? Creative and artistic. Because you do everything by manual. Thing. Do everything by manual. <laughs> you even use it by, by hand. You, yeah. even, you don't even use the word by traditionally. Skill, yeah. it's, so it's, thank you so much for that. And third keyword that we have is storytelling. Storytelling. Um, possibility. Mm -hmm. Why do you think so? Because with storytelling we have... Well, or ancestry. That's a nice one. Storytelling mm -hmm. or... Um, storytelling, um, sacred, you know, because uh -huh. I, I like the sacred. So here's something that's for, for me, storytelling has been a beautiful way to preserve our most, in, most 
sacred wisdoms, wisdom mm -hmm. teachings from our ancestors, and it helps us connect back to the our human lineage. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like almost a, it's a way of unraveling time and mm -hmm. building that relationship between past and future. We've needed stories to really uh, help s connect us to who we are and why we're here. The big mm -hmm. questions actually. Stories have really helped us resolve some of the biggest questions that, that have plagued humanity mm -hmm. and helped really simplify big ideas or really complex ideas. Yeah, and so that is definitely one of the, you know, a uh, lot more in demand skill as well. Uh, when it comes so, to... So storytelling. Yeah, storytelling. It's very important skill actually. So, it's yeah. a wonderful skill to be able yeah. to tell stories yeah. and share. It connects us. It's one of the bridges between the human experience. It helps me and you relate more deeply through storytelling. Yep, yep. Thank you so much for being impromptu in this section. And uh, we are moving towards the next segment, which is little more exploring your career, work and volunteering. Here we have one question under that. So tell us more about XR Applied and more about uncommon emerging XR applications to medical real estate toys and game industries. You talked a bit about it in the earlier segment, but we would love to learn more about it. Um, so which, 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 so XR Applied, we're really, uh, so, so we are a, a, a small team of specialists. Um, well, I know, I guess that we have, essentially we have a really deep understanding of the AR and VR sector and our approach is really to leverage XRA, the XRA toolkit. <laughs> so really a collection of best in breed B2B XR solutions and apps can, that can be uh, applied to your, to businesses and business mm -hmm. models to maximize benefits for the end user. And really, um, uh, our, our, our passion with, our with XR technologies is to help businesses positively impact their communities mm -hmm. and also the world. So we want to improve areas of like education um, and also ways to, oh. to provide net zero emissions and help, help new businesses showcase their products. And we believe it can go much further. And there's also kind of the process of like what we do, which is more in-depth consultation. So we can work with any business and really kind of identify what technologies support that business and their unique requirements. Um, we're looking at B2B solutions. So the idea that our solutions should be scalable and be mm -hmm. carefully applied to your business model to maximize the value of, of, of X, XR. And, mm -hmm. um, and we understand that also the technology is really agnostic. It's inherently flexible. So we build toolkits to apply to any, any sector of the market. And things that we build are like virtual catalogs. We have SDKs, mm -hmm. so we can build the SDKs. We can build the unique application programs, so AIPs. Um, what else do we do? So I mean, I guess our framework is really looking at kind of the process of ideation to mm -hmm. implementation and also then building MVPs. So mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah. yeah, and the areas of interest. So like it, uh, things So I mean, from doing, f building flooring apps to tools for edutainment. So mm -hmm. things around gaming and, and, and plays Mm -hmm. um also kind of uh, heritage like like uh, i guess um almost or, or or preserving heritage sites uh like we actually did with recently a, a virtual berlin pre-second world war where you could visit the uh the brandenburg gates and 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 kind of see what berlin might have been like 
in the 1930s, which is something. So it's like there's so many different applications um, mm -hmm. that, 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 that are there today. But, so, and things that are really interesting is something that I'm passionate about, something called sensory storytelling. So one of the things that we did in the past was sensory reality, which is not just audiovisual with VR, but integrating the other senses like smell, touch, taste, heat, wind, mm -hmm. and biometric feedback. Mm -hmm. create real-time response environments to your uh your emotions and your the way you feel actually it immediately impacts the experiences that you have mm -hmm. wow. things, things like that. yeah it sounds very interesting be, actually yeah and that can be very helpful for things like uh -huh. uh, sensory storytelling to help people dealing deal with things like trauma and, and mental mm -hmm. health issues and different disabilities and to to stimulate the mind. And there's lots of dementia, Alzheimer's. Uh, yeah. So it is not purpose-driven as well, actually. You know, you can establish... Purpose-driven in that sector, you know, and then... And then uh, realist, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great, great purpose to have. Like you mentioned a couple of areas, right? Uh, like trauma, disabilities, or uh, education also you mentioned. So I think that is very much like a purpose-driven area to be in. Totally. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing. And uh, we are moving towards little closure. And here we are just going to summarize any tips or advice to the aspiring students or the professionals who are going to build their career or looking this as their long-term career uh, hmm. where they can grow and build their career further or consider that as the long-term career options. So would you like to give any specific tips or advice? You can support your answer with like books or courses as well. I would follow the kind of key people in the VR and AR space. I mean, just if you Google just Forbes list of 50 most influential people in VR, you'll get lists of uh, every year they publish lists of who are the most influential people or who are the most influential companies and just start to follow them ideally on LinkedIn, trying to connect the people that that are doing really amazing work on uh, and, and write. People are super open and so we're very early days. So you'd be surprised how quick people are to, to, to share uh -huh. or, or to connect, follow podcasts on people who are, are mm -hmm. doing great work in the space and just really just, just, uh, just don't be afraid to reach out and yeah. build, build uh, those connections with people that, that you, you admire just by saying, I really admire what you yeah. do. I'd like to learn more. Yeah, Can you take five minutes to have a conversation? I don't know why people don't feel empowered to do that more. Yeah. You know? If someone writes to me and says, I'd love to connect with you, a student, or anything, I'm like, sure, lovely. I'd love to yeah. share uh, what I've done and my experience. We, 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 you know, and there's so many, uh, all, most of the industry players these days are doing podcasts or are mm -hmm. creating videos. Are, a lot of people are writing their own books. I mean, it's, like okay. self, it's big area self motion, and to have young people uh, really connect to the work that that that, that we do is super. Uh, it's it's really nice actually, yeah. and to know that to know that we can inspire a younger generation, and yes. uh, and actually the best form of PR is word of mouth. So if, if you're inspiring people, then they are talking about you. They're sharing your story. They're sh and that's helping you build your own uh, mm -hmm. community, your own following yeah, as well. Yeah. So it actually has a really important feedback loop. If you're, if you're doing podcasts, if yes. you're creating uh, videos like this, or if you're writing books, mm -hmm. um, then 
actually it's it's super super important to engage with your community so everyone should feel very empowered to reach out find out firstly who the most influential people are in the space and then feel really empowered to reach out and connect with them directly through all of the different channels and you could even create your own linkedin profile saying an aspiring vr enthusiasm enthusiast wants to learn more please connect Please, I'd love to ask a few questions. Do you have an or a young guy who uh, who recently brought me on his podcast just wanted to learn about the industry, so uh-huh. he created a whole podcast series uh-huh. just just to just to talk to people. Yeah, and definitely. that and then another another guy did a newsletter. Just talk. If you promote other people, it by default will promote you. There's a feedback. Yeah, loop yeah. I also know the people actually. You know uh, who started the content creation as a hobby. and then now they do it full time and their newsletter and then you know the content they sell it totally that's so great content like, they're sharing that much within 8 to 10 years that now they are selling that content and you can take like a monthly subscription or yearly subscription kind of so you never know right how you can monetize your work so it's always a more an experiment and Perfect. and this is very valid point actually as you mentioned that reach out actually so if you reach out 10 people it is always like taking that first step from your side and then you will find somebody who can you know would be happy to Perfect. help you so it is Perfect. very very important that you reach out first and i would encourage actually people who are looking to get into this ar vr space or the animation space definitely reach out to look and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if or any plenty of other people they should reach out to but i'm happy to answer yeah. any questions that people feel they need yeah so thank you so much and uh, we are moving towards the closure and it was really very fun chat as well as you know learning more about your areas of expertise so no doubt you are leading your areas of expertise so in this particular section we are talking leadership so how would you describe your leadership style and any specific leader that you always follow or admire and why um my leadership style um is is empathically driven uh it used to be very dominating when i was younger and uh-huh. i was more restricted and i felt like we had to get things done so i was moving a lot from a dreadline and like very masculine like do 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 like very kind of like pushing people uh-huh. today i think empathy allows you to pull people through creating space actually uh-huh. so the leadership style that i'm more drawn towards is is feeling intuition space listening inspiring mm-hmm. finding common ground seeing how people can grow and really supporting people to become the best version of themselves wow mm-hmm. for me is much more attractive uh, mm-hmm. and creates a better uh the the what it it creates the world that I want to be part of so that's something that I'm It's, it's, I mean, I just try and do that in my daily life. I'm not, I'm not by any means a great, <laughs> a great kind of business leader. But it's like for me that the, the, the leading style that I'm more drawn to towards is uh, connection, community, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, yeah, connection, community, and, yeah. and, 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 and. And would you like to share your personal favorites in the leadership space, and uh, why do you admire them? leaders um so who do I who are, I am really into uh 
leaders. So the different leaders, I mean, in business, you always look at the the, the people at the top and, and who has, every day I'm going to be, insp- I, I don't have, I'm sorry to not, the, the, like a name that pops into my head is like, well, Elon Musk. What, and I'm like, well, that is, why is he inspiring to me? Well, because his, he, Richard Branson, because these people have visionaries and they have these, yeah. mm-hmm. and they set these crazy wild goals and they go for it. And mm-hmm. that's obviously super inspiring, like yeah, yeah, Richard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're thinking so far ahead, you know, someone in terms of the, in, 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 in what they're doing. So Elon Musk obviously wants to build communities on Mars and everything is connected <laughs> to this future where he's yeah. creating um, uh, automated systems like robots, yeah. like the, from, his, from his cars, so everything to, to really create this future civilization on, which is really empowering. But it, I'm also, it's for me, when I, I'm inspired because of like vision, uh-huh. but when but i always think leaders who are more inward looking actually i'm a as a as a kind of someone who's more interested in, in inner work like the innerverse as opposed to the outerverse mm-hmm. like how far can we go to to mars well actually like how deep can we go into the human condition mm-hmm. i'm inspired by the, the 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 greatest leaders like the buddhas the krishnas the 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 christ the 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 the, the, the avatars the human avatars that i've walked mm-hmm. the, on the planet these people actually today are more inspiring uh john kabat zing who brought mindfulness to the west mm-hmm. uh, these are people that are really uh, the dalai lama um, that i think yeah. super inspiring you know because because from this place so much space is created and so much can happen mm-hmm. so much flow happens there's a teacher called um muji who is a non-duality teacher i really love him because he through that he teaches the path of Tao, which is almost the flow and the thing that's moving in flow and there's jason silver i love the work he does it he's a, he bridges technology spirituality and consciousness mm-hmm. and he's really a pioneer he's got these great great series on youtube called uh philosophical shots of war i love the inspiration because it adds so much energy and from that energy anything can unfold you know mm-hmm. um so yeah, that's great actually. And the one more uh, important aspect that you mentioned while you're describing your leadership style, I would just repeat it because that is the best one uh, that, you know, uh, the leader who can pull the best version of you, like, you know, uh, oh, exactly. you the better version of yourself. So that is definitely a very good approach to have uh, for any leader and uh, lead his, uh, like, you know, uh, team further and uh, thank you so much for sharing it and uh, being so wise as well as you know sharing your areas of expertise so thank you so much my pleasure lovely to lovely to connect yeah thank you all right so this is all about luke and the way he's managing to lead his area of expertise before we close we have a closure quote from one of the uh, successful entrepreneur mark zuckerberg which says i think Everyone would basically agree that we do not have the science or technology today to build the augmented reality glasses that we want. We may in five years or seven years or something like that, but we are not likely to be able to deliver the experience that we want right now. So on that quote, we are closing today's episode. See you guys in the next episode. Until we meet happy leading, let's live together.